What's up, everybody? How's it going? We are glad to be in the house. Can you keep your hands going? Put your hands together for Plant City, South Shore Campus. All of our family online, we love you. And of course, Pastor Greg, we're so glad to have amazing leadership like that. And so I just, uh, I'm in this series right now. And, and, and so as we get ready uh, to dive in, before I do, I just want to share with everyone amazing things that are happening at Plant City. You don't always get to hear everything that happens at all the campuses. South Shore is killing it. Tampa campus, of course, this is amazing. And, uh, but I want to share uh, my campus, and, and, and you guys are, of course, they're, they're watching right now, and so we love you. Okay, I miss you, and, uh, and uh, I'm just excited because men's ministry launched there, and we have Iron Men, and those men are coming out, developing it so good. We have our first young adults or college and career uh, gathering, and so that just happened last week. Uh, sisterhood conference attendance by Plant City was amazing. You guys came out. We've had record attendance in student ministry each week for the last three weeks. And, uh, and life groups are growing, and some of them are at capacity, and so we need extra help. And, and God has connected us with government officials and business leaders in our community, and our servant leaders are so faithful. I mean, from the parking lot to the pulpit, the platform, they, and everything in between, they're just killing it. So I want to say thank you. To our Plant City family, you guys are amazing. I love you. And uh, so I want to get into this series. We're, we're going to wrap up this series, uh, Don't Go Al Alone. And, and so we've had some amazing uh, messages by our, our teaching team. And I, and, I, and I love it. Pastor Hector, Pastor Stephen, Pastor Jonas, all did an amazing job. Don't you appreciate these guys for <laughs> delivering such a powerful series? And uh, so I hope I can just get up here and really, really ruin it all. So if that could happen, it would be great. I want to share. So this is the big idea that I hope that you gather today, and it's, and it's this. Kingdom impact, okay, kingdom victory outside of the church is dependent upon kingdom and the engagement of kingdom people inside the church. Let me say it one more time. Kingdom victory outside the church is dependent upon the engagement of kingdom people inside the church. You see, the local church is not an option. It wasn't an option to God. In fact, when he speaks of the, king, of, of the church, he speaks of the church in terms of love. He calls us his bride. He looks at us like a groom looks at a bride and says, I can't wait to be with them. This, they are the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I want nothing but the best for my bride. I want nothing but the fullness of the purpose working in their life. I want every blessing to flow into their world. And, and that's the way he looks at you. He looks at you as the bride, the bride of Christ. Now, uh, um, so many times there, we have these things in, the, in church uh, arena Called, we call them parachurch ministries. These are, these are uh, ministries that are designed to come alongside the church and to help the church uh, body expand. So, uh, for example, you might have outreach ministries, you know, ministries to the homeless, ministries to drug addicts, ministries, uh, all kind of different ministries that happen. Uh, you might be you know, into to doing food pantries or clothing pantries or, or whatever. These are all amazing 
uh, uh, ministries, but we call them para-ministry church because they, they are not the church. They partner with the church to help the church expand its, its reach. You know, sometimes we, we see them on TV. We watch a lot of TV uh, pastors. I, and all of these are amazing things. They are all good things. I watch TV preachers all the time. I, I have some guys on YouTube that I follow all the time because these are my favorite ministers. It ministers to my soul. It ministers to my mind. It helps me to connect with God's word in a deep way. But, but, but you got to understand that those things are not the bride of Christ. Those things are all good things, but I've seen people leave the body of Christ because they get offended somehow that we're not doing enough or whatever in whatever arena just sparks their heart. And then they'll end up going to some homeless shelter, which is a good thing. But they leave and forfeit the relationship to the bride of Christ and replace it with service outside. That's called paraministry church. And, and so paraministry and, and TV preaching and, and, and YouTube preaching and, and all of that is good stuff, but at its best, it is the bride's maid and not the bride. And I came to tell you, the groom didn't come back for the bridesmaid. The bridesmaid exists to support the bride. If the groom comes back for the bridesmaid, that ends up on Jerry Springer. Because that is dysfunction. But that is not our God. Our God didn't come here to find the bridesmaid. I promise you, our God came for the bride. He comes back to find that bride spotless, washed with the water of the word. He came to see that bride thriving in the environment that he left it in. He came to see that bride working the authority that he has invested in her. He came to see that bride conquering evil and having victory in life. He came to see a bride that is walking in the purpose he designed her for. God is sending his son back again. I promise you it's coming faster than you might think. But he ain't coming for nothing else but his bride. The bride is important because the bride, in fact, I want to share a couple things with you that I don't have time to break down uh, today. And so inside your notes, you can find them in the app. You can find them uh, online. But inside your notes, you're going to find uh, some things, some extra material, okay, uh, extra study resource. You can dive in on these things. But, but I want to share with you three things. Listen real quick that the, the church, the bride of Christ is intended to do. This is you. She carries truth. She carries truth. When there is a lie, the bride is there to carry truth. She extends God's love. You are the hands and feet of Jesus. She stands in intercession. You intercede. You are the prayer intercession force for Jesus. And those things are our duty. And so when Jesus comes back, he expects to find his bride about those things. So I want to tell you a story that you've probably heard a million times. And, and if you've been in church more than 30 minutes, you've probably heard somebody preach on Gideon. 
And so if you'll, you'll humor me for a minute, I want to share the story. And I'm just going to assume some of you don't understand or don't know the story. And so I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory. You find these in Judges chapter 6 and 7. And so I want you to, to go back and you can read these in depth and, and hear the, all the details of the story of Gideon. It's really a powerful, powerful story. But I want to set the stage for you. I'm going to set the atmosphere because at this point that we enter into Judges chapter 6, Israel has been in a season of peace and prosperity. They've been walking in a, in, a, in a 40 year period with no problems. Can you imagine that? 40 years with no problems? I can't wake up for 40 minutes without making a list of problems. But somehow, God had blessed them with 40 years problem free. But here's what that created, because sometimes when you do too well, you can forget who did it for you, and it created an environment of complacency, and they just became lethargic. So in Judges chapter 1, he goes, and, and God begins to explain what happens here. He says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years, say seven years, for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. He gave them into the hands of the Midianites, and for seven years, they had nothing but trouble. Now, that sounds harsh. Wait a minute, God, I thought you were loving. Can you please be loving like I define loving? And the truth is that this was an act of mercy on the part of God. Because there's one thing that's worse than being oppressed by an outside force, and that is being oppressed by an inside force. The worst thing that can happen other than, 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 than way worse than being oppressed. Because if I can have an enemy, I can see you coming. I get on my knees. I start ready, preparing for battle. If I know you're in front of me, I can know how to fight you. I can see your weapons of attack. I can feel you creeping up on me. I can put my hands up. I can get in defensive mode. I can predict some things about you and the way that you're going to attack me. But when I am the problem, I don't always know how to fight that. And so the Midianites stole, they began to steal everything. You see, Israel's sin had, had opened the door to the enemy to attack. And so uh, uh, their sin had caused all of their labor to be in vain because every time they would go into the harvest, they would begin to pick the crops that they had farmed and sowed and, and invested in. Every time it came time to gather the harvest, the enemy would step in and cross the river with his army, his swarm. They, would, they described them as vast as the desert, the number of camels that they had, the number of soldiers that they had. And they would run across the Jordan River, steal all of the crops, burn everything else, and then run back across to Midian. And so everything they did was in vain. All of their labor. Any mamas in here ever 
ever felt that? Like you go in and you start cleaning up that room? <laughs> you're going to spend all that time cleaning that living room and getting all that stuff together. And by the time you walk to put the cleaning supplies in the closet, that knucklehead kid of yours done come through, pulled everything back out, coloring on the walls. Well, actually, that was your husband. But <laughs> the kid was also a problem. But I've seen a lot of people in my years, accomplished people, who lost everything that was valuable because they refused to deal with the issues in themselves. They had become complacent in their walk with God. They had become complacent with their love and their passion and their zeal for him. They had stopped being his bride. And after seven years of this, Israel finally cries out. And, and, and there's a scripture that we use a lot, and we use it every time there's a major catastrophe in America, every time there's an attack or a terrorist thing or, or whatever, something happens, COVID comes, all this kind of stuff. We always go to the scripture, and, and sometimes uh, uh, we allow the politicians to, to grab the scripture and, and use it for their own agendas. But, but it is not designed for them. It was designed for you. It's that scripture, you know what I'm talking about. The one where it says, if my people who were called by my name will humble themselves and pray and repent, then I will hear them and I will heal their land. He's not, that's not for the world. You're responsible for that. He don't expect them to call on him. They don't know him. That is a direct order to the bride of Christ. You are called to intercede. Intercession is your job. God has called you to step in the gap. And Gideon at this point is, is standing there and he has what we call a theophany. A theophany is, is an encounter with Jesus in the Old Testament. So Jesus himself shows up in the flesh in, in the Old Testament, and he steps into this story, and he encounters Gideon. And Jesus does what a good man would do, and he gets under a shade tree, because that's the first place I'd be. I'd be like, well, I can talk to you, but can we do it in the A.C.? And so Jesus shows up into the, to the shade tree, and he gets under, and he says, uh, uh, he starts talking uh, uh, to, to Gideon, and he, but he finds Gideon, he shows up, and he, and he finds Gideon, and he is, he is uh, working in the seclusion of a wine press. And I want to show you what he was doing. So, so this is a picture of, of uh, what it looks like to thresh wheat, okay? This is threshing wheat. And so what they would do is take the forklift, or the forklift. They were, they were highly advanced civilization. <laughs> that is exactly how I would have done it. I'd be like, can't we get a forklift in here? That's a, lot of, that's a lot of wheat. And so it takes the pitchfork, 
and, and, he, and he, they were flinging it in the air, and, and the seeds, the kernels of wheat would fall to the ground, and, and wind would blow away what we call chaff, which is the, the, the stems and the brush and the leaves around it. And, and, but you would do that. Typically, you would go up on the highest point you could find, on top of a mountain where there's a lot of wind, and you would do that so that the wind could blow all that chaff away. But that's not where Gideon does it. Remember, every time they go to harvest, the enemy shows up. So he decides he's going to do it inside of this place. He's going to go inside of a wine press. Now, I want to show you that because I didn't even know what they looked like. Because in Plant City, we make strawberry wine. And it's, our, our methods are vastly different. Okay. Well, y'all judge me. That was my papa's recipe. He did it. All right. And, and so... We would find uh, him in a wine press. Jesus sees him, and he's, he's threshing wheat. Now, here, here's the deal. Uh, uh, threshing wheat is not done typically in a wine press because you need a lot of airflow. So he would just flick it up enough for air to blow right across the, the top, and, and it would take you, it would be ten times as much labor to get the same amount of production. It, it, when me and Pastor Greg were fishing uh, one time, we, we were at his secret spot. It's on the Skyway. Don't tell him I told you where it was. <laughs> and so we were, we were triangulared. You know, we, he, would, he, would, he sets it up just right. I mean, he, I, I have no idea. He could have been making it up. I'll be honest with you. It was impressive to me. I was like, man, this guy is a rocket scientist. Um, and so he would just, he would set us just right. Because there was a rock that he liked to fish. And that rock was not very big. It could have been like 10 feet around. But, but you know, out there in the, in the bay, if you don't get right on them, you ain't catching nothing. Okay? So he was on this very specific spot. And, and so we were on that spot. He had us just set just right. And, I mean, we were catching them. We were killing them. We were pulling them in. I felt like I was a professional fisherman. I was like, am I Mike Anderson? Am I on a TV show? Like, because I'm killing this thing. And, and, and then all of a sudden, we, we noticed the fish quit biting. We were like, what in the world? The devil is a lie. You know, fishermen blame everything but themselves. Kind of like the Israelites. But, but anyway, so, so, so he, he got to looking and he said, the tide has shifted. We hadn't been paying attention. And the tide had moved us just barely, just about 10 feet from the spot where all the fish were, but it ended the catch. It wasn't far, but it was far enough from where we were supposed to be that everything dried up. You see, you can be doing a good thing, but you do it in the wrong place, and the only thing you're going to produce is frustration. That's why it's important. That's why it's important to know where you are called where you have been assigned, where God has chosen for you to be. It's understandable to, to know what is important to him and what is important to you and to side the difference between the two. Because you can be doing good things in the wrong place and you will create frustration. But a great harvest comes by doing the right things 
in right exactly the place God has called you to be. So God calls Gideon, and Jesus begins to talk to him. And in Judges uh, 6, 12, we see how he addresses him. Now, it says, when the angel of the Lord, but, but as you read this further, I, I'm not going to get into it, but there's a couple of verses down. You start seeing that it's actually Jesus, okay? And, and, and so as he begins to read this in, in verse 12, it says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, here's, I love this because God identifies you based on where you're going. The enemy identifies you based on where you've been. Oh, you, go ahead like that, wasn't Listen, the enemy is constantly trying to remind you and identify you based on your old man, based on the last season you were in, based on who you used to be. And, and if we allow him to, it'll steal the uh, true identity that God has for us because he don't see us where we are. He sees where, it's, where he's taking us. So, so I, I, went to, uh, uh, I went to a class reunion, and, um, and, and you, know, you know how class reunions are. It's like, it's just old people <laughs> getting together trying to guess who the fat guy is. You know, you know, somebody like, I don't know, you had hair in high school, who was it? Who was it? <laughs> Y'all in there getting together, counting your wrinkles. You know, it's just, it's weird, all right? It's people you ain't talked to forever, but whatever, you got to go. And so, uh, and so I went to this class reunion, and, and I'm standing there, and, and, and we get to talking to a, a classmate who, who happens to have been the older sister of a girl I had dated in high school. So, I mean, she, she may have had the inside scoop on who I was, all right? And, and so my wife is standing there, and, and we're talking to, to this, this high school uh, classmate, and, and she says to me, so, uh, so Michael, wh- what are you doing now? And I was like, well, here we go. <laughs> and my wife jumped in and said, he's a preacher. <laughs> she, I feel like she had been waiting all night. For somebody to ask that question, she was like, somebody's got to ask it. <laughs> and she said, he's a preacher. And the girl who was eating her hors d'oeuvres <laughs> began to choke. <laughs> and I thought, really? <laughs> it killed you to find out? That I know Jesus now? (laughs) But the truth is, the enemy loves to label and hold on to the memory and remind you of what you've done and who you were. But God has called you to so much more than that. He has created you for purpose. He has created you for life. He has created you to make a difference. 
Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You have been born for this season and this purpose. And all of that stuff you went through, that's just weapons in your arsenal to create conversations that allow you to lead others into the same revelation. That's all it is. So God tells Gideon to go. He says, what's the first step I'm supposed to do? And, and, and God says, well, I want you to go tear down all the altars of Baal that your parents had built. Because sometimes there are issues and generational curse and altars that, and, and, and idols that your parents passed down to you, that your grandparents passed down to you. There's broken mentalities that, that creep into generations. And so you've got to deal with those lies. I was speaking with someone one time who was, uh, we were counseling their marriage. And, uh, and she began to explain, uh, because I, I just felt like there was some mentalities that she had received somewhere that just were twisted. And so I said, began to ask her, tell me about how you grew up. Tell me about your mom. I said, I grew up with my mom. I grew up with my grandmother. Oh, I said, tell me about your grandma then. She said, my grandma was divorced a whole bunch of times. and She was strong. I said, yeah. So what'd she say about all these men out here? Well, she said, you can't trust none of them. She said, they're all bad. They all have to be trained, and you got to put them in their place or else they'll run over you. All these kind of things. And I said, hmm, you think maybe that might be a problem in your marriage today? Is that you're holding on to old ideals and, and broken mentalities that have been passed down from generation to generation. And so if you're going to become all that he's called you to be, you've got to deal with some of the generational stuff that comes in. Don't make them evil. You know you can be a good person and do stupid stuff at the same time. It happens. I, you can have amazing family and they can say and do some of the dumbest things you've ever seen in your life. But God has the ability to set you free. So then Gideon goes and does that. He tears all that down. And, and then he, he had to make a sacrifice, it said. God said, I want you to tear those down, and then I want you to make a sacrifice to me. But watch this. This one blessed my heart so much. I mean, when I read this, I, I started running around my own office. I just, I, I just went crazy. I was crying. I was just having the Holy Ghost just showed up in that office. In that office, and just he just messed me up. Okay, so I, I'm just y'all gonna act like you ain't never heard of the Holy Ghost if you want to, but but he did it for me. Okay, and, and so here's the truth that he showed me. He said uh, he told Gideon, I want you to go and I want you to get that bull that you've been raising for seven years. Specifically, he said I want you to get the seven year old bull and I want you to sacrifice to me. Okay. Does seven stand out, stand out to anybody else? Because seven years prior, that is when the trouble began for Israel. The nonstop trouble for seven years. But also seven years ago was when that bull was born. I'm going to put this together for you. Anytime you see trouble being birthed in your life, start looking around because your praise was just born. That thing that is going to set you free from that trouble, was just born. 
God never allows trouble into your life that he doesn't provide a praise to set you free from it. You just got to look into your life. Just start looking around because I promise you, as soon as that joker showed his face, God said, and that's not enough. I've got to interject an opportunity for them to praise me because I inhabit the praises of my people. And where God is, there is freedom. So he shows up in your praise. So, so, so some of you have been going through trouble and all you can look at is trouble. But get your eyes off the trouble. And start looking at ways that you can praise God out of it. So here we see this truth as we get into the heart of it. Because unfortunately, not everyone will discover their purpose. It's a sad statement that I make from this pulpit today. Because not everybody in the room and not everybody at South Shore and not everybody at Plant City, not everybody watching online are going to embrace the things necessary to discover their purpose. So in chapter 7, we see it begin. And, and Gideon, see the Midianites gathered together an army to come against the Israelites. 135,000 men. They gathered. And so Gideon was in order to gather an army, and he did. But there was only 32,000 men that showed up. Now, if you know the old ways of fighting, that's not good odds. And so Gideon gathers these 32,000 men. But God says, no, not these guys. You see, we have a saying in the church, you might have heard it before, that God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Okay. So if someone can be qualified for an assignment, someone can be disqualified for an assignment. A purpose that God has for their life. But they disqualify themselves before they can walk in it. And there's three things that are primarily used to disqualify us from being able to step into all that God has for us. The first one being pride. You see in Judges uh, uh, 7 and 2, it, it tells us, The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men, and I cannot deliver Midian into their hands. And for Israel would boast against me, my own strength saved me. You see, sometimes uh, we, get to, we get to making our, our successes our own. And if we get too ahead of God, we start thinking like, oh, I did all this. This is all me. Look at this underdog. Because here's the truth. Israel was going to win. God was for them. They could have won with 32,000. They could have won with 132,000. They could have won with three. It didn't matter because God was for them. So they were going to win. But what God didn't want is for these guys that he knew had a pride issue that they had already shown. If they have victory in their life, they'll start thinking they did it. And so, uh, and if you don't think pride can discredit you and will cost you everything, Lucifer himself was disqualified from his own praise team. 
because of pride. So in Judges chapter 7, verse 3, we see the next one, which is fear. It says, now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left and 10,000 remained. You know, you know he didn't feel like 22,000 were going to leave. I mean, when he made that, that's two-thirds of everybody gone. He was like, I thought maybe 10 of y'all. I knew Fred was scared, but like, you know. And two-thirds, 22,000 men leave him. He's like, hey, if you're scared, go on. And they were like, yep, that's me. And just rolled out. It kind of it reminds me of report card day. You know, hang with me. I'm make the connection. So, so I remember report card day, and, and I used to, you know, you want to bring friends home. You don't want to be alone on report card day. So I'd be at the lunchroom table, like, all right, fellas, who's coming home with me to spend the night tonight? It's just crickets. They just all walk away. I'm like, oh, you're just going to leave me to get murdered in my own house by myself because you want to play Nintendo. Let's be honest. It was Atari. I'm not. I was, that's how old I am. Wood grain Atari. Nobody? Nobody else? <laughs> Millennials like, oh, what? They made them out of wood? But pride and fear knock most people out of their purpose. Gideon's men dwindled down to 10,000 just on pride and fear alone. Those two things keep most of us from fully functioning in what God has for us. Because either we start to think too highly of what we are, like I'm too important to get involved, I'm too busy to be connected. I'm too important to, to stop what I'm doing and come in and serve up in here. I'm too, I'm too busy for that. I'm too important. Or, or they, we end up being people who are like, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm not equipped. I'm, I don't know enough yet. I'm just, I mean, one day whenever I feel like I'm, you know, on the level of what, and, and we start, and those two things cripple us from being able to walk in our purpose. But even with the 10,000, God said, nope. Not these guys either. Because we see something unique, a unique test that happens right here. And, and it's to, to, to discover idolatry. And I want to I challenge you in this because uh, in, in verse 4 and 5 it says, Take them down to the water and I will thin them out. I was, I'm going to thin them out right there. So Gideon took the men down to the water, and, and there the Lord told them, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as dogs from those that kneel down to drink. And, and, and if you haven't ever seen a dog uh, lapping water, I, I included it in the notes, a little YouTube clip. It's a slow motion of a dog lapping water. It's the most disgusting thing you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> but you ever seen something so gross you had to share it with everybody? Y'all smell this. Smell it. It's disgusting. Smell it. All right, so y'all go check that out. 
But in, in verse 6 and 7, he goes on to say, And 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs, and all the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, With these 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give Midian, the Midianites, into your hands. Let all the others go home. You see, um, Oftentimes, from a Western tradition, we hear it kind of preached a little bit differently. We, we hear, you, you might have all heard this story, if you've ever heard it before, where we talk about, well, he chose the 300 because they were, they were ready. They were prepared. And, and there is some truth to that because the imagery of the 300 that he chose was that they got down like this. They scooped up water and they drank it from their hands with their eyes up. In other words, they were... They were looking. They weren't going to be caught off guard. And so they, they dipped their hand down and they drank like this. Now, it's wasteful. You lose a lot that way, just like a dog does. That's why they said they were lapping like a dog. The dog creates a, a cup with his tongue. He spills a bunch, but, but, he, but, he, but he pulls it up to his mouth. But the other guys did something that in my study I learned the Jewish people, which is a Jewish story, they tell it a little bit differently. You see, it wasn't because the men knelt down and were ready. That's good. It's good to be ready. I mean, when you're going into war, you want to be with someone who's ready. You want to be beside someone who's prepared to defend, who's prepared to take a fight on with you, who's not going to leave you, who's, who's not going to be surprised and caught off guard. They got your back. That's all good. That's beautiful. But at the time, the Jewish people did not bow down in worship to Yahweh. They didn't, that wasn't a part of Jewish tradition. And so the only people who got down on both knees and bent down to the water were people who worshiped Baal. They had become so comfortable in this position that when they were desperate for water, this was their natural go-to. They had become so comfortable in bowing before the idols that God said, I can't use a man that will bow before an idol. And idols, idolatry, that's anything that ever crawls up and sits in God's seat in your life. Things, businesses, dreams, hobbies, sports, money, relationships, anything that distracts you from walking in God's purpose and serving in his kingdom and being connected to his desires and allowing him to dictate your choices. Anything that distracts and blocks you from doing that is your idol. That's why most of the rest of the people, it wasn't about selecting the 300. It was about the 9,700 who disqualified themselves because they placed other things in God's position. I pray, God, give me an easy message today. Give me something light. Help me to, to say something that, that makes people feel good and tingly. Help me make them laugh. But he said, I don't want that today. I want my children to know 
that I have purpose for their life. But I will not share their attention. And there's people that take their businesses and they can't serve in the kingdom of God because their business is too much. There are people that will take sports and sports are good. I love sports. I play sports. My kids play sports. But, but I'm not going to keep my ability to serve the bride of Christ is not going to be dictated by a schedule of a baseball coach who wants me to travel around the world playing a sport. I just... I can't. I'm not going to allow something else to distract me from teaching my children that the most important thing in their life is connecting to the bride of Christ because that's the thing he's coming back for. It's a hard message. But what made Gideon so special? See, everyone likes to bust on Gideon because he was afraid, but nobody else was out there threshing wheat. Nobody else was taking a chance on Midian seeing them. Gideon may not have been exactly where God wanted him to be just yet, but, but at least he was doing something. God just called and, and discovered Moses and David both taking care and working the sheep. Remember his brother said to him, what are you doing with them few little sheep we left you with? Elisha was found pushing a plow. The apostles were found running fishing, commercial fishing businesses. God, God speaks to people like that. Listen, listen, God tends to give visions to the busy while the devil gives temptations to the idle. That is how it works. My assignment found me as I was uh, stacking chairs in a conference hall, cleaning up floors after church services when all of the important people had left. A young man just in there, just singing, loving Jesus, happy as I could be to be in his presence. I, I didn't care what it was. I just wanted to serve. I just wanted to be in his presence. I just wanted to be a part of what he was doing. If I'm not qualified, God, if you, you, I, don't have this, I, mean, I don't have what it takes to, to, to do some other big thing. You got, I don't care. You can put me stacking chairs. I'll come in and I'll stack chairs like it's my, like it's my profession. I'll stack chairs like I got a major degree in it. I'll, stack, I'll, I'll come through and I'll line them up so straight you'll be able to, to, to just, you know, build homes based on them. They're so, they're so accurate. You, if you put me in a position, God, I'll clean the floors in such a way to look like nobody's ever been there before. If you will just allow me to be in your presence, to be used by you, God, I will walk up and see a weed coming up through the ground. And I will pluck that out of the sidewalk so that nobody has to think that this body of Christ, that this church, that this bride has not been cared for. I I will cover this building so it's ready for the next congregation to enter into your presence. I will do whatever it takes. God is looking for a people who say, I can do anything if you're placing in front of me. I'll, 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 I'll kill it. And I don't say that to brag. I, it's just my story, and I want to share it with you. Because as a young man, and, and I'm in there stacking them chairs like a pro. 
I always tell youth pastors, you haven't done youth ministry until you stack some chairs. And, 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 and I'm in there working in my chair stacking anointing. And, and, and in walks out, you know, walks down this dark building is an, the overseer for that, that group. And he says to somebody, hey, who, who is that young man over there? And they said, oh, that's, that's that Plant City boy. What's his name? Pippin. That's that Pippin boy. And, and the next night, he come back through the hallway and he said, you out here again. He walks up and he says, who are you? I said, Hi, I'm, I'm Michael Pippin, sir. He said, oh, thank you for what you're doing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that goes on and, and he sees me there and, 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 and I don't care. I'm happy. I'm telling you, I'm happy as I could be. I don't care if nobody was in the room with me. And all of a sudden, he, he, he gets a call later on from a pastor friend of his in, in Georgia. And he, he calls him. He says, man, he goes, I've been interviewing youth pastors for months now. And, and I can't find any. I can't find any good ones. And, and he said, do you have any youth pastors that you can send my way? And he says, man, I, I don't have any either. He says, I don't have a youth pastor, but I've got a young man that you need. I've got a young man that'll that'll serve. I got a young man that loves to be in the presence of God. I got a, I got a love, I got a young man that that I don't, you've got to have this guy. No experience. He's got no experience. But you've got to have him because he has a heart to serve. So I get a call from that pastor, and he says, I want you to come up here and I want to talk to you for a minute. So me and my wife drove up there, and, 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 uh, and he, uh, we had just gotten married. And, and so we come back home, and I you get the call, and he says to me, he says, son, he says, I've interviewed a lot of guys. And there are several guys right now that, that I interviewed the same week you were here who have 10, 15 years of ministry experience. He said, but I'm hiring you because you have something none of them have. You have a desire and a hunger to serve the kingdom. And my opportunities began. I'm here today being used by God in this capacity, and hopefully, hopefully it's a blessing to your life. But, but here's the deal. It started with a heart that said, I'll do anything you want me to do. Whatever it is. Because you can't tell me, you can't tell me that you can sit in his presence and sing his songs, but you're too good to, to park a car or hold a baby. You, you can't, you just can't tell me that you're saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and you don't have it in you to tell a child that Jesus loves them more than anything in the world, or to come in and run a camera, or to get here a little bit early to shake a hand. You can't tell me that he is Lord of all in your life, but he can't have access to your home every other week for an hour and a half so that someone can encounter life and friendship and community. You can't tell me that. You can't tell me you can't serve because you've got a 
you can't afford to stick around after service because there's, you got to get to go watch a bunch of overpaid, overgrown, overpromoted men chase a soccer ball around. Actually, it's a football. I know how you are. But, I, but if I say football, you're going to get all mad. So I'm going to say soccer. But you, God is looking for people who will humble themselves, who will understand what God has created them to do, who will not put anything else in this world above his bride and above his purpose in their life. Don't let anything derail you from hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. You're called to make a difference. You're called to make kingdom impact. Because kingdom victory outside is directly a result of kingdom people inside. There's someone hearing this message and you're in this room or you're watching online, you're Plant City, you're, you're at uh, South Shore, and, and you know, you feel the Spirit speaking to you. It's time for you to jump in. You've been coasting. You've been floating along. You've been ignoring the Holy Spirit, but it's for the last time. You're not going to do it again. And, and, and God may have already told you exactly what he wants you to do, or you may have no idea at all. But you know that you're going to do something. Then I want us all, I want everyone in the room, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Just, just repeat it after me. Say, Father, I repent of my pride. I repent of my fear. I repent of placing desires, my desires, above yours. I'm a child of God. I'm a co-heir with Christ. And with that authority, I command the spirit of pride and haughtiness, of fear and anxiety, the spirit of idolatry to be released off of my life. You will never limit me again. Father, I am yours. Use me as you see fit. And I will give you all the praise for a life of purpose. There's also another group in this place today, another group watching online, another group in Plant City and South Shore. And you feel that in your heart. Now is the time for me to surrender my life to him. God sent his son to make the ultimate exchange for you. Your life of futility for his eternal life of power. All you have to do is repent of your old ways, declare that he is king and savior, and surrender your life to his leading completely. We're going to say a prayer to vocalize outwardly the decision that you're making inwardly today. And so on the, when we get done praying, I want you to, everyone in this room, just to join together. Let's pray this together. Are you ready? Say, Father, I know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I've tried it on my own. It just doesn't work. And so I need you in my life. Lord, take control. Give me your presence. I accept the gift of your salvation. 
I declare you Lord in my life. You can have all of me. Use all of me as you see fit. Because from this day forward, I don't care what the past says. From today on, I am yours and you are mine. And I give you everything. In Jesus' name I declare it. Amen. If you gave your life to the Lord, listen, you prayed that prayer today, wherever you are, in Tampa, South Shore, Plant City, I'm talking to you online. Listen, I want to count of three. I want you just to lift your hands and just say, that's me. We just want to celebrate what God has done in your life, every campus, all at the same time. Are you ready? Let's celebrate what God has done on the count of three. If you prayed that prayer, the first time you're rededicating your life to the Lord, let's do it. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Let us know. God bless you. Come on. Come on all over the building. Come on in the balcony. Yes, God. Yes. Come on, put your hands together. Let's give God some praise in here for some. Come on. If you're in that first group that I spoke to, and you, you, again, you may know exactly what you're supposed to do. God's already spoken to you. Or you're like, I, I, I don't know. I don't even know if I can do something. We're going to beat that fear today. And we're going to beat that pride. And we're going to put away some idols. And we're going to make an active engagement. So if you're in, this is just Tampa. This is just us. We're right here together. And all those watching online, that's, that's it. Plant City, they're doing their own thing. South Shore, they got it. This is for you. So I want you to grab your phone. You may already be serving. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to those who haven't plugged in completely. You know there's an opportunity for you to jump in to serve his bride. And today's your day. Grab your phone. And I want you to text the word serve to the number on the screen. We're going to leave that up as we worship. And I want everyone to stand to your feet. And if you text us, we're going to help you get plugged into the right place for you. It may not seem right at first because I started stacking chairs. That wasn't where God had for me ultimately. It was just what he had for me right then. And we're going to get you into the position that God has for you to thrive in. But you've got to start. So as we begin to worship right now, consider these altars open. Our prayer partners are down here. We believe in the power of prayer, and we invite you to come engage his presence. Engage him right now. This is your invitation to make everything different from here on out. Come on, let's do it.